Uh, turn your Bibles to the book of James. Can anybody take a guess on who is the author of James? All right, we've got an educated group tonight. The author of the book of James is the man himself, James. Uh, yeah, not Moses. And uh, uh, James is a significant person in your Bibles. I mean, to have you know, your name as one of the 66 canon books of the Bible is significant in and of itself. But James is also uh, the half-brother of Jesus Christ himself. Uh, look at verse number one, just a little bit of a background to getting into this book before we really get into the message. James chapter one, verse one says, James, a servant of God, and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting. So I want you to notice there, which I think stuck out to me, if my half-brother was Jesus Christ himself, I would be going around saying, I am Ethan, half-brother to Jesus Christ. <laughs> Unfortunately, all I got to say is I'm the brother of Evan, and that normally gives me, you know, that doesn't really get me anywhere. So, <laughs> just teasing him. Well, I could tease him while he's still here, because when he's, when he's not here, I don't have jokes anymore. So, uh, but notice here, James says, I'm a servant of God. I'm a servant. I'm a servant to God. And so he calls himself a servant rather than the brother of Jesus, which he was. And so that, that kind of just shows us, right, looking at James and his book, where his character, where his mindset really is. And it shows us a lot about who this man is, just in that simple phrase in and of itself. And <clears throat> James is writing here, uh, the Bible says in the end of verse number one, the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad. So he's writing to Christians who are all over the nation of Israel. And so he's not writing to a church. He's not writing um, as Paul would normally write to the church of Corinth or um, <coughs> he would write to the church of Philippi, Colossae, all that type of stuff. And James is writing to generally Christians. So this kind of really relates to you and I because he's writing to general Christians. And because, notice the phrase, they're scattered that kind of just shows the spiritual decline of that nation. James was writing specifically to Christians, and we know that because in verse number two, he says, my brethren. And a brethren would be a word to say, you know, I say, Brother Joe, good to see you. Sister Myra, good to see you. I, I'm, I use that because why we have a common bond in Jesus Christ, right? I don't, I don't as a saved person, go around calling people who are not saved brother Isaiah, sister, whatever. And so you, you call you and I brothers and sisters in Christ because we're a family. We're all the children of God. And so he uses the term brethren, so he, he, you know he's writing to Christians. And the reason why James wrote this book here was, was for several, several reasons, really. One of them was to prepare the Roman Christians for his arrival and... Secondly, James wanted to show the Christians how to live outside of the church. You know how to conduct ourselves in the church. And Paul talks a lot about in his letters how we're supposed to conduct ourselves because 
read the book of uh, no, both Corinthians, Paul spends a lot of time of trying to get people straightened out in the church. People are taking a Lord's Supper, um, not right. And so there's a lot of things. So he's writing to us about how are we supposed to live our lives outside of the church. And the text that we're going to look at today, which is verses 2 through 12, so just the, just the first beginning of this chapter, talks a lot about trials. And so that's what I'm going to preach on this evening is God's purpose for trials. And every Christian goes through struggles, goes through difficulties, and how we handle that really goes to show our true character and how in tune to God are we. So let's go ahead and go to the word in prayer, then we'll dive into this passage and study each verse out. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you for this day, Lord. Thank you for the good church services that we've had today, for the English church this morning, Sunday school, Spanish church. Lord, I thank you, Lord, for how you've met with us. And God, my prayer, Lord, is first of all that you would cleanse me and forgive me of sin. Lord, that you would meet with us right now. Lord, help, help us and speak to our hearts and, and show us things from the word of God that we perhaps haven't seen before that can help motivate us, Lord, to serve you and have a heart that wants to love you and, and put you first in everything. We love you, Father, and praise on Jesus' name. Amen. So James chapter 1, verse number 2. The Bible says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally, and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Let the brother of low degree rejoice in that he is exalted. But the rich in that he is made low, because as the flower of the grass he shall pass away. For the sun is no sooner risen with a burning heat, but it withereth the grass and the flower thereof falleth. And the grace of the fashion of it per, uh, perisheth, so also shall the rich man fade away in his ways. So this passage talks a lot about trials. And how are we going to deal with those trials? You, know, you think about an athlete, somebody who plays a sport. You can practice all you want before the game starts. You can, you can work out. You can practice game time decisions. But what really shows an athlete's true worth to see if they're worth what they're getting paid or what they're trying to achieve is what they do in the actual game in and of itself. Why? Because that's when it truly matters. And that's when the, the pressure is on and the opposition is trying to seek to win and, and big contest is going on. And Christian, for us, we can have the Bible studied. We can have the Bible memorized. We can hide, we can hide the word of God in our hearts. We can do all these things. But how do we react when the true test of trials happen in our life? What do we do when the tribulations come and it's game time and it's about to happen? We studied hard. We know the word of God. We've been in church. We've been faithful. But the trial, the tribulation is about to happen. The struggle is about to be on. What are we going to act like? What are, how are we going to persevere with God? And one of the best tests for Christian maturity is tribulation. 
is difficulties. Trials not only reveal our faith, but they also develop our faith and our Christian character. They make us a better person. And depending on how we deal with it, with, with God, if we put things in God's hands. And one of the most, you, know, you hear this joke often, right? One of the most difficult things that you can, or one of the, the worst things that you can pray for is patience. Why? Because God's going to send you some things to be patient about. I think that could be tough, right? You're saying, God, I want you to, I want you to mold me. God, I want you to, to make me into the man that you want me to be, Lord. And you say, okay, here's some trials. Here's some tribulations. That's God molding us. God is the potter, right? We're just the clay. And God is going to mold us into the person that he wants us to be. And sometimes in that molding, it's not always sunshine or rainbows. It's going to be struggles. It's going to be difficulties. It's going to be trials. It's going to be tribulations. And so these things are going to happen. In verses 2 through 4, God's purpose for trials, first off, he wants us to have a joyful attitude. In verse number 2, it says, My brethren, count it all joy. Joy. When you fall into tire temptations. Why? Because knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have a perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. What is God's purpose for trials? It's the perfection of Christian character in his children. God wants you and I to grow into the man that we want us to be, the Christian he wants us to be. When there's a great need in our life, is our natural reaction to go to God? Do we say a trial is about to hit us? And trials can be of all different sorts. A trial could be a health issue. A trial could be financial struggle. A trial could be the small things in your life. You lose a shoe. You can't find your car key. And then you get all riled up and you get all angry and you lose all your patience and you just you start saying things you shouldn't be and, you're, and you're, your mind's thinking things that shouldn't be. You know, those things are working on our patience. They're working on us. And so when trial happens, our faith can increase. But with no trials in your life, your growth may become stunted. They may become stale. And so trials is a part of life. Trials is something that God is going to do. The testing of our faith is something that's going to happen to us. That's what this passage talks to us about. And when these trials happen, this is time that we need to think about, God, what is your purpose? What is your reasoning? Because there's a reason for everything God does. And the important thing to, to remember in our trials that, that can be difficult is remembering God is still good. God is still faithful. And God, there is a reason. I don't know. I don't understand. But God, there's a purpose for it all. I always think about when I read the Bible... I try to think about what's going on in people's minds. What are these people thinking? As Paul is being stoned, as Paul is being thrown in jail, what's going on in the mind of Paul? Is there a moment of weakness in Paul that he says, you know, what am I doing? I shouldn't be here right now. God, why did you do this to me? Or is Paul, which we see, singing and praising God in the prison? Totally different mindset. He knew that this was God. This is God working on my life. And so Paul had the great mindset there. You know, we should 
it's, it's, it's a tough thing to enjoy trials, right? But the Bible says in verse 2, my brother, count it all joy. So never despise the trials that God puts in your life. As a Christian, we should know that this is God working. This is God doing something. Of course, we like it when times are good and there's no issues and nothing to need to be worked on. But just know, Christian, there's always going to be trials that are going to come. You may not be in one right now, but there's one coming down the road. And so we need to be ready for that. It's our mindset going into trials is to quit, to say, you know what, I've been through a trial, I'm done. Is it to, is it to complain? God, why am I going through this? God, this is not right. This is unfair. Is it to become lazy in our trials and say, you know what, I'm going to quit church for a little bit because I'm going through something right now. So I'll just lay off of church. I'll lay off my Bible. I'll lay off of prayer. Or is it going to say, I'm going to get through this trial with Jesus Christ? Right. Ms. Valerie isn't here tonight. But something Ms. Valerie always says, is, and Pastor May maybe had to help me remember it, she always says something along the lines like, if he can take you to it, he'll take you through it. And Ms. Valerie always says, I wish she was here tonight. But she always says that. Ms. Valerie, you're right. <laughs> and God's going to help us through our struggle, through our difficulties. And so just remember, God's there for you. God is, there's a reason, there's a purpose. And so look at verse number two. Let's just kind of break down these verses. Verse two says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. So what does diverse mean? That means various. That means a variety of temptations, which is adversity or testing. So count it joy when you fall through a variety of testings in your life. There is the blessings of facing trials with joy. What are those blessings? Verse 3 says, Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience or endurance. It's going to work patience. So you're, it's helping you develop and to grow and, and to be a better person. That this trial is going to mold you into the image, ultimately, right, of his son, Jesus Christ. Verse number four says, But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. So it's saying being perfect, mature, to be the mature Christian that you're supposed to be. The, the Bible says <clears throat> uh, that ye may be uh, perfect and entire. That means to be full in development, to be fully in your development stage as a Christian. And as a, you know, I think other brother Dave, he's holding Eli right now. What is Eli doing in his life is that he's growing up and he's maturing. And, and it's funny, I was talking to Miss Kayla about this. Remember uh, Hosanna when she first got here and the little baby that she was. And now she's growing up and she's talking and she actually likes me. It's like, so it's, it's encouraging to me. And hopefully she continues to like me. But it's just, she's, you see, you're seeing, a, well, I love when kids come to church because you get to see them grow, right? And it's a cool thing to say. And Miss Nye remembers, like, oh, I remember when you were a baby and all that type of thing. She would bring up memories of me in her classroom and all that type of stuff. And as a Christian, it's awesome to see a newborn Christian who just got saved. And they don't know much about the Bible. They just got saved. They're fresh. They're new. And then watching them become a grown, mature Christian, it's a beautiful thing to watch. It's, it's an awesome thing to watch. A Christian develop in his Christianhood. And that's your biggest prayer for anybody. You want to see 
your children grow up and to, to be uh, physically where they should be at, but you want them to mature and to be a good Christian. And as a, as a pastor, you want to see your, your flock, your sheep, grow into the person they should be. And so the Bible talks about this, these trials are going to help you be that person. You cannot be full in development without trials, without uh, these things that happen in your life. And then ultimately, look down to verse 12. We're going to, skip, we're going to jump down there real quick. The, another blessing is, verse 12, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. So then now, we get to have another crown to cast back at Jesus' feet because we went through trials and we stuck with the Lord. So those are some things that, um, that help us in trials. In verse number 5, what, is tr- what do trials do? Verse number 5 says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally, and abradeth not, and shall be given him. But let him ask in faith nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind, and tossed. So what does this do? According to verse number 5 of 6, trials help us have a deeper prayer life. The Bible helps us draw closer, I mean, trials help us draw closer to God. Why? Because Because we're in a situation where we say, God, I need you. God, I need to, I need you to help me in this moment. God, I don't understand. I don't know why. But Lord, I need you. And so what are we doing? We're asking God in faith. We're asking God in faith. God, what do you need? We're, have, we're developing a deeper prayer life. And the greatest enemy to an answered prayer life, of having your prayers answered to God's will, is the sin of unbelief. And the Bible tells us that. Verse number 6. Let him ask in faith. Why? Not Well, he says this. Nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. What does wavering mean? That means going back and forth. I, I, I believe God. I don't believe God. I believe God. I don't believe God. And we're going back and forth. We're being tossed back and forth. And, and we're believing God. We're not believing God. And, what are, we, what, are, what are we becoming? Double-minded. And double-minded, the Bible says, is unstable. Unstable in all his ways. We live in a life of instability, right? You cannot trust the stock market. You cannot trust all oh, you can list a whole lot of things. The politicians, whatever it is. But we can remain faithful. We can have a stable. We know we have a God, right, that, doesn't, that never changes. It's the same yesterday. Today and forever, this book is still going to be the truth. It's still going to be the word of God. It's not going to change. There's not, there's not any errors in this Bible. And so we can say, you know what, God, I trust your word. I trust your word because why? You are the word. And because you are the word, I am going to stay constant with you, Lord. And I want, to, I want a stable relationship. I may be in an unstable life with the things I'm going through, but I'm going to stay on the same track with you, Lord. A double-minded man will not receive a couple of things. Verse 7. For let not man, that man, think that the Lord shall receive anything of the Lord. He will not receive blessings. What is the purpose 
of your trial is that you can become a better Christian, right? Develop, the Bible says, develop fully in your maturity in God. So what happens, that's a blessing, right? Growing up and maturing is a blessing. And blessings come with that. And so what happens if you say, I'm going to jump off the wagon? What happens if you say, you know what? I'm going to waver. I'm not going to pray. I'm not going to ask God. You lose out on the blessings. You lose out on the whole reason this happened to you in the first place. You miss it. Because why? You jumped off too early. You said, God, I can't do this. And there was a blessing waiting for you on the other side. But you said, no, I can't get there. And you missed out on the whole reason that you were in that position in the first place. And I talked about this already, but in verse number 8 says, A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. You missed out on having a stable life. Look at, turn your Bibles to Luke. So keep your finger here. We're going to finish this in a minute. But Luke chapter 16 In Luke chapter number 16, I'd like you to turn to verse number 13. Famous verse in your Bible. Luke chapter 16, verse 13. No servant can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. So Christian, you may be trying to play both parts. And you can try all you want. But really, you're leaning one way or the other. I'm all in for God. I'm all in for the world. There's no in between. All of us have a master to serve. I want God to be my master. I want my flesh, the things of the world, the devil, to be my master. I have two options. All of us have that option. And I don't think the world really realizes that, right? People say, I don't want God because I want to be my own man. I want to be, I want to do the things that I like to do. But what are they doing in all reality? They're serving the prince of the air, right? They're serving the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. They're serving somebody. And that's ultimately the devil. They're, they're serving the flesh, but they don't realize that. As a Christian, we can be a carnal Christian. We can be a, a Christian that says, I may have this Holy Spirit indwelling me. I may have asked God for salvation in my life. I know Jesus is living with me. But you and I still have a free will, right? I can go out and say, you know what? I'm going to leave here after the service. And I'm going to go drink. and Or I'm going to go sin and curse and listen to worldly music. Because I can. And I can. But I'm sinning against the Holy God. I'm serving the flesh. So we have two people to serve. And so faith in God will always lead to instability. Faith in God will always lead to stability. So there are things that we need to think about is what trials am I facing right now that I need to ask God wisdom for? What is God trying to teach me through my trials? What is God trying to teach me? And is my prayer life in my Bible reading life where it should be, or am I a Sunday-only Christian? Am I a Christian Sunday through Saturday and the whole week, seven days a week, or do I take times off? <laughs> do I come into church and, and clock in and say, I'm a Christian, I look good, I'm 
I'm speaking how I should speak and imagine the part. I'm saying hello, brother, and hello, sister, and then I leave out here and I'm cursing everyone out on the highway. You know, what are we like? So think about this. So is there something that I need to improve on in my life? I like us to continue going on here. Verse 13 is how do we handle these temptations? Look at verse number 13. Let no man say when he is tempted, uh, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil. Neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. For when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Do not err, my beloved brethren. Temptations and trials are going to come, right? But one thing that's important for us to, to acknowledge, to put to heart, is that my sin has put me in a trial. My sin has put me in a place of temptation. You cannot say God has done that because <laughs> my sin did that. If I, if I sin and I go to jail... It isn't because God wanted me to go to jail and to witness the people who are not saved there. It's because I sinned. Or if I do something that's, um, that I'm not supposed to be doing at night, I, I hurt somebody, and I had to, play, I got to face the repercussions. It's not to say, you know what, I, because I sinned, or because God wanted me to be here. God never uses sin. God never uses sin as an excuse, right? And so... That's what the Bible says in verse 13. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. So a temptation is an opportunity to accomplish a good thing in a bad way out of the will of God. It's a good thing to pass a test, right? If, I, if I'm in school and Stephen and Evan are in school and it's a good thing, I want you guys to pass your quizzes, to pass your tests. That's great. But we don't want you to cheat to get there. <laughs> We don't want you to do evil in order to accomplish something good. Because if we cheat to accomplish a good thing, then it's no longer a good thing. <laughs> I'd rather fail but doing the right thing because I didn't study hard enough or whatever it may be. And so we need to consider God's judgment here. Look at verse 14. It says, but every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Um, you see here the desire, the, the, the deception of verse 15, that when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. So that's dis, what is sin and, and falling into temptation and giving in to our flesh? What does it bring? It brings death. And there's consequences to our sin. And James is telling the Christian here in verse number 6, do not err. Do not fall away. Do not give in to temptation. Do not give in to sin. Why? Because in verse number 17, it, we have to consider God's goodness, the things that God has for us. Verse number 17, Every good gift and perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. We've got to realize that, that we may be going through this temptation, this trial, and this is a gift from God. Not something that happened from our own sin, but through a trial that happens in our life, that's a gift from God. And God only gives good gifts. 
You know, something I, I, I tell the teenagers when we have our, our study, our Bible studies on Wednesday nights is that I tell them about your parents. I was like, your parents are not perfect people, but they're perfect for you because God made them your parents. And parents are going to make mistakes. Parents are going to have issues, especially if you have parents who are not saved. But they're perfect for you because why God put them there for you. And that was what God designed for you. And so God only gives good gifts, and the way God gives is good. And he gives constantly. Because look at the, what the Bible has to say in, um, in verse number 17. It says, it is every gift that he gives is good, and it is perfect, and it is from him. And so he gives, and what God is, that he does not change. And God, in verse number, in verse number 18... The Bible says, of his own will begat he us with the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creature. You know that God has a divine nature. It is, it is divine. It is gracious. And we understand God through his word. And so when we're in a trial, when we're in a temptation, what should we do? Is go to his word. And go to the Bible. And see what the Bible has for us and why we're going through what we're going through. So the testing of your faith is to help you, Christian. Is to make you a better person, to make you grow, to make you mature. And so in this year, 2024, we want everything to be great. We want everything to, to go well, to be perfect. But what are we going to do this year when the trials come? What are we going to do when the tribulations happen in our life? Are we going to fold up, or are we going to get all in? We're going to jump. We're going to jump on the train. We're going to. We're going to get all in with what God has, and so we have to understand that God has a purpose for our trials, and there's a way for us to handle our temptations. God is not. God is not going to give you and I a trial in our life that He's not going to help us through. If God can take you to it, He'll take you through it, and so the Christian. What I'm trying to tell you tonight is just continue to have faith in God. Continue to trust in God. Everything may be great right now, but there is a time coming that it's not going to be so great. And so, Christian, continue to serve on living for God. Don't grow discouraged in discouraging times. Increase in your faith and your knowledge of Jesus Christ. Let's go ahead and close tonight out in prayer. Lord, we love you. We thank you for this day, Lord. I thank you for the word of God. Thank you for the Bible. Lord, I thank you for James for putting this book in the Bible for us, that we can clearly see what your purpose is and your testing of our faith. Lord, I pray that it be said of all of us, Father, that when we go through trials, that we didn't give up, that we, we had faith in you, that we trusted in you. God, we love you. Praise the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Pastor Matt. Uh, I appreciate the